Welcome back to the third episode of the Movie Melting Pot Podcast, where we talk about anything and everything having to do with movies, because we like them so much. Don't we, Richard? We do. This week we're going to be talking about uh, Tenet. We just saw it last night, yeah, like we talked about uh, last episode. Yeah, and it just came out, so there there will be spoilers and a lot of discussion about um, what what all kind of goes on in this movie. Yeah, spoiler warning for anyone listening. That means my mom slash Hannah's co-workers. And possibly some other people. Yeah. We're still working on your mom, right? I don't think... No, probably not. My okay. mom's not really the kind of person to listen to podcasts on movies and stuff, because she mainly just watches anything by the... What is it? The Franklin Brothers or whatever their names are. I've never heard of the Franklin Brothers in my life. It's the people who do, like, the War Room kind of movies. Oh. Uh. I don't remember what like, their last names are. Are they the ones that did like uh, Courageous? Did, yeah, and like and Fireproof, Fireproof and, and what was what was that one that did the the football coach? Facing the Giants. Facing the Giants. I like Facing the Giants. That one's not too bad. The truck thing was always a little cringy to me, where he's like, "God, you giving me a car, or you gave me a truck," and it was like very American, but you know. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a Ford. Pretty much, yeah. That's that's how I took it. It was a Ford, actually. It was an F one fifteen. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, this is going to be a long one, we think, or at least I think. I don't know. Most likely, there's it, a lot to unpack. Whew. The title of this uh, episode is going to be "Don't Try to Understand It." I've been naming these episodes after. Uh, Lines in the movie. Mm-hmm. That line is in this movie, and it's it used in a, used in when they're trying to explain the rules. Yeah, they like, might as well have named the movie. Try not to, or don't try to understand this. Yeah, because I kind of walked out of there not understanding, not understanding it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> which is not good. Yeah, which leads me to my my very first take about this movie. Uh, And it's like the thing that was most apparent to me last night. This is not a bad movie. No. It's Christopher Nolan, good filmmaker, hasn't made a bad movie yet. This isn't his first one. But this might be his least favorite movie of his I've seen. Yeah. Because it accentuates everything good about Christopher Nolan... And everything bad about Christopher Nolan. Uh, and so, good things. This is a very technically incredible, visually incredible, because, you know, it's Christopher Nolan. He does everything practical. Yeah. You know, I'd heard the budget of this movie was over $200 million. And as soon as I saw that plane driving off the runway into that building... I was you like, that's a, real, that's a real plane. <laughs> that's yeah. a real building. I understood why this movie was $200 million. Yeah. You know? And the choreography of Fight the choreography, movie. best fight choreography oh, in a Manolo movie. So 100%. And it was, it was good. It, it was, it was good. really good. Like when he took that cheese grater. That was oh, rough, man. I was cringing. I watched you cringe in your seat when, you, when that happened. And it, But it was visceral. It was real. It was good. There weren't cuts. Yeah, like it that's, was, that's been a big Christopher Nolan problem is cutting away, doing 
doing different angles, trying to disguise the lack of choreography. But there's yeah. some good choreography in this movie. Yeah, it was it was a very well performed movie. Yeah, and it's performed in you know action, you know action, and in for the most part, uh, I would say characters. Yeah, there's my first bad part about this movie was the characters because there wasn't any there really wasn't a whole lot of character development yeah which is a bad thing about christopher nolan movies like normally you get you know you see their face you recognize their face Mm -hmm. you you know you can sometimes resonate with their struggles but you know especially with dunkirk with is hard to do because they didn't talk in Dunkirk, really. Yeah, and so you can't really resonate with their, you know, the their struggles. Tom Hardy is up in a plane, and Hans Zimmer's score is blaring, and you hear plane engines, and he's muffled. You know, yeah, and it's like I don't care about Tom Hardy's character really because I, I can't see his face. Don't, yeah, don't know his name. And with this movie, I mean, there was. There's not a whole lot of character development. It's pretty standard. You know, what you see is what you get. Like, there's not really... I think it's more the plot that really develops, and you kind of see the characters develop because the plot develops, not necessarily because the characters are developing themselves. So it's like like the characters have built-in character traits. Yeah. That just kind of change over time as the plot continues. But they don't even really change. You just see them. Yeah, I guess it's more, they don't change, they just kind of expand. Yeah. And so, it started with Dunkirk, this obsession, maybe not obsession, but like this idea of a plot-based storyline. With Dunkirk, it was very, you know, uh, not plot-driven, but tension-driven. You know, people were flying around in the air in a dogfight, and the dogfight might take five minutes, and you're just sitting there on the edge of your seat, or at least that's my experience in the theater. You watched it with me here yeah. in the living room. It probably wasn't like that. But when we watched it in the theater, it was you know I felt the tension. Right. But that's tension because it's war, not because I felt these people were in a deadly struggle for their lives. And yeah. I and I wanted them to survive, you know. I wanted them to survive because they were the good guys. Yeah. Which, you know, when you compare this to like Inception, like Like Dunkirk or Tenet? Tenet. When you compare Tenet with, like, Inception, like, a lot of the ancillary characters don't really get a lot of character development. Tom Hardy and Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Cillian Murphy, maybe a Cillian Murphy a little bit, because you get a little little bit with him and his father. Mm -hmm. But you don't really get any character development. But at least you get Leonardo DiCaprio, you know, Cobbs. Right. Conflict with Maul and his subconscious keeping it under control. Right. His desire to see his children, his guilt with Maul's death because, you know, he's on the top in the safe. Yeah. Making a question of reality. You know, you could... You could, you know, resonate with him on that emotional level of someone dealing with the guilt and the shame. Mm -hmm. But here, you know... There's... the What you see is what you get. Like... John Washington. I said Isaiah last week. I don't. I guess I thought his name was Isaiah, but it's John David yeah. Washington. John Washington 
Do you realize his character is not his name is not mentioned in this movie? He is the protagonist. I did not know that. Did you didn't realize that? I did not. I guess I didn't even think about it. Because I know he refers Anna, to himself. Anna's saying that she did. She's over there. I know that, like, he refers to himself as the protagonist. Yeah. Like, I'm the protagonist. And he makes that clear that basically, like, I'm the good guy. This is my movie. Yeah. Um, Especially at that one end scene where he's yelling at Priya. Yeah. Where he literally yells, I'm the protagonist. I'm the protagonist. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh... There, there's not... I mean, that's that's it. That's yeah. what you get. Yeah, so that's the kind of movie you're in for. You know you know that... It's kind of like an espionage kind of movie yeah. it, mixed with, you know, some of the, the reality of um, Interstellar, you know, where you have the kind of the chords of reality being played out by some kind of alternate dimension. Yeah. Um, and that's basically kind of what's going on. If you could sum it up in, like, one sentence. Do, do we want to, like, just kind of work our way through the plot and try and figure out We can do our best. Happened? So, the, the movie opens... The, the protagonist... I don't even know what they were doing in that van. I don't he's either. He's clearly an American CIA agent. Yeah, and they have some Russian drivers... Or, I guess... Not Russian, the, the, Ukrainian. They're Ukrainian, but I think there might be like half Russian, half it's, Ukrainian. It's not really like that's not the main focus. Yeah. So they're they're in, at an opera house in Kiev. Yeah, and and some people broke in, and, and he tries to bombs. Yeah, and then the cops go in, and the protagonist's character goes in with the cops, disguised as a cop, with some other Americans. Yes, they go in to extract. Some guy who we don't know much about, yeah. and we never really find anything out about. And they go in and they extract him, and they get him out of there. And I think that the main reason for them doing that was so that they could get caught and end up seeing what he would do, like if he would choose death. Which we'll get to that part, but just but that that seems a bit drastic for them to stage this opera house siege and have him sneak in there but i mean ultimately if i'm not mistaken they find like the first piece of this algorithmic world ender it's not really a bomb it's like i don't know what it is i think by the time we get to andre or andre however you would say that in russian uh, Kenneth, Br- Kenneth Branagh's character, he already has eight. And so I don't think he gets that ninth. The pl- the point of the movie, soon after, is the protagonist keeping the ninth piece of the algorithm away from Andre. But he thinks it's plutonium-241. Yeah. Which he's going to use to you know build nuclear weapons. Right. But that's... It's not what it is, as we soon learn. So they, you know, this dude eats the cyanide pill, turns out it just puts him in a medically induced coma. And so he wakes up with, I guess, his CIA handler. Yeah. some Somebody else affiliated with the CIA. And basically they just kind of congratulate him for being willing to yeah. die rather than expose secrets. 
And so he tells him he has a new mission for him. And he's not going to tell him what to do. But it, I don't know how he then knows what to do. All he says is, use the word tenant. And it'll get you and, into like any door. Cross, cross your fingers like you're praying. Yeah, and it'll get you into pretty much anywhere... Which is a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. Yeah, you're going to get mixed in with some good people and some bad people. Yeah. And so, ends up at this lab, you know, does the tenant thing. Which is weird, because after Priya, which is very early on in the the movie. What is? We don't see tenant ever again. Did you notice that? I thought that was weird. Yeah. That was like the only time that that word was actually used yeah. that I remember. I think he used it with, what's her name, the science girl, who's trying to explain to him what inversion is. Maybe. And Are you talking about the, the doctor? Yeah. Or the scientist person? Yeah, that Russian-looking... Yeah. With the lab coat. And she, yeah. She's the one who says, don't try and understand it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think he used it with like... her, and he uses it with... Priya. Yeah. Like, he doesn't use it with Neil. He doesn't use it with that, you know, security... Michael Caine. Yeah. doesn't use it with Andre. He meets significantly little people using that... Yeah. ...that word. Which is weird to, like, put this in the beginning of the movie, you know... Not really explain the word. Use Tenet. You know, cross your fingers. Yeah. You're gonna get... To meet pretty much all kinds of people. But then he never... He meets all these people anyway... It never really it uses never that uses word, it. and so it's it's weird that like, and it's even it's even in the advertising material. Like we read the description, yeah. it's like armed with the word tenant. Yeah. So my but thought he's is not maybe armed with the word tenant. He just has the word tenant in his, and never uses it again. Yeah. My my thought is that, I guess I'm thinking, he uses that word, and that's kind of the kickstart to the entire plot of the movie i guess would be my guess i mean if you were going to say armed with the word tenant and he only uses it maybe twice in the movie i'm guessing that that word is the thing that kind of kicks off the plot i suppose but there's a lot of but the movie's name tenant it starts with the word tenant yeah the it was a very material strange... says armed with the word tenant you should use tenant some more yeah it, it was a very strange word to be associated with this movie because it's not heavily in the movie. Yeah. So to name it Tenet, to make the entire plot and like everybody feels like this movie revolves around that word Tenet, whatever that means, whether it's his name, you know, everybody has some kind of thought about that word. And for it to only be used twice seems a little, I don't know, kind of pointless. But I digress. So he goes, this girl explains inversion to him. What inversion is then is people from the future have developed technology to allow objects to travel backwards Backwards. in time. So in typical Nolan fashion... You know, messing with time. He does it in seemingly every movie, you know. Yeah. So, things are moving backwards in time. You know, they don't know really know why, other than the fact that people in the future are sending stuff back. Yeah. But, you know, not only are objects coming back, we find out 
about this dude, Andre, who's actually an inverse arms dealer of sorts. Yeah, He's so a regular he, one and d- deals with inverse. Yeah, he specializes uh, with the inversion, I guess, weapons? Or I guess the inversion machinery. Because when, when it comes to the inversion, what you kind of find out down the road is that these items were not necessarily... They're not necessarily um, inverted items items per se like it's not like they themselves were created they're normal items that get used by people who are inverted is kind of the the thing going on with that is that the people are using just normal normal weapons normal you know vehicles things like that but because those people are inverted everything that they use is being is going backwards i don't think that's it though I'm pretty sure that's the way it works because that's why they enter that machine. Like we're no, jumping way they're, ahead, but they're, they're junk get into that machine to go backwards through time. Yes, not to which is where you find all of those all, all of the different objects have been like every single thing that gets set up with those objects, whether it's the bullet holes in the windows and stuff like that. All of that you find out only happens as they move backwards through time, but because they've already moved backwards through time, as the present time moves forward, it, it <laughs> looks backwards. <laughs> Don't try and understand it. You won't get it. But, but like, the people are also going backwards in time. Yeah. But you can use inverted... Stuff we see that with John David Washington, the protagonist, in in the, the lab, in the lab where he right. shoots the gun, and the, and case, the bullet comes. The casing literally flies back in the gun. Yeah, and the shell flies comes out, of, out the, of the the, the wall cement, thing. the cement yeah. slab, back into the casing. Yeah, but that's the only time in the entire movie where an item. Is considered what is um, we also inverted. See it, we also see it at the uh, opera house, though. Do you remember that bullet hole in the stairs that's there, and you can start to see the um, dust kind of fly back into it, and then finally the protagonist is like looking at it as like all the stuff reforms on the bullet hole. Yeah, and he's like looking around confused. Yeah, and I don't think the person who shot it was inverted. I do, because if I remember correctly, I thought that the guy ends up kind of moving backwards. And this is my thought, but I think that the person who was doing that is Neil. Which is... You, you thought Neil... Robert Pattinson's character. And isn't... Well, that would be an interesting theory. We'd have to expound this on... Because it talks... Rewatch, if this is all yeah. just a plot to get... Um, the protagonist involved because we learn later that, that he's the, the one who the protagonist recruits Neil. Neil, right? So how does that happen? And so then, are you because that's be not cool, explained at Neil, all? Because the Neil is uh, is the one is who, the one who would then be partaking in recruiting the protagonist. Yeah, and so you know it would seem that as they're part of this squad that you know 
inverts reverts a mm-hmm. lot. At some point, he inverts, goes back before, you know, all of this ever happens and recruits Neil, reverts, goes forward in time. Yeah. But, so yeah. <laughs> so if that gets, makes any sense. So at some point, after this meeting... He run. He needs to meet this arms dealer in India. Yeah. Um, and so they do like a bungee jump thing. Yeah. Him and he meets Neil. Yeah. Him and Neil jump up. Neil is uh, Robert Pattinson's character. I think you mentioned that. Yeah. I just wanted to remind everyone, Mom. Uh, so they do this thing, kind of yeah. like a bungee jump. It's there's. It looked like there was this little engine that like winched the cable very quickly. Yeah, it was it was something they like that. Ba- they bounced up this place. And yeah, but they're trying to get into this heavily armed, heavily guarded um, house, I guess? Yeah. Building? And in this building is where this supposed arms dealer is. Yeah. They get this arms dealer down, you know, about to kill him. That's when Priya, this arms dealer's wife, actually pulls out the tenant sign. Which is, I believe, the second time then that, yeah. that he's used it, and the last time that he uses it. Um, she says the word tenant, you know, he looks back, she has a wine glass in his, her hand, and she's crossing her hands in front of the wine glass. She didn't you know. catch that. Yeah, and he, um, you know, he's got one hand on the trigger, so he mentions the word tenant as well, mm-hmm. and, you know, wraps his, you know, fingers around while he's still holding the gun to the guy's head and so he lets he lets him up the wife tells him basically that he's just mainly the face of the operation but she's kind of the brains behind everything that's going on as far as them being an arms dealer yeah and so she kind of reveals some information i think this is where we first learn about andre yeah kenneth branagh's character uh, who's this Russian arms dealer? He's trying to get plutonium two forty one. She says, "Pretty much, you've got to stop him." Um, and so he needs to get close to him, and so he decides to do that through his wife. Yeah, through Andre's wife, because I don't remember her name to be honest. Cat. Oh, look at Hannah. Han- my wife is over here. Mom, you already know who my wife is, but for everyone else, my wife. She reminded us, which shocks me, because this is not her kind of movie. She remembered it. But yeah, so he he decides that he'll get to Andre through Kat. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Priya is the one who tells uh, the protagonist... That they have a rocky relationship, Andre yes. and the wife. Yes, uh, Andre and his well, wife. I thought that might have been Michael's Kane, Michael Caine's character. It was. Yeah. Now that I'm remembering, yeah, it so, was Michael Caine. So he character. goes, meets with Michael Caine, who seems like a like some kind of intelligence major for the British Army or yeah. some, some British special forces. Yeah, I guess this movie's like version of Q from James Bond, yeah. just more, yeah. but. But except the kind the, the kind of cue that only gets like ten seconds screen time <laughs> yeah. and doesn't invent anything. But so he goes, talks about um, 
this painting, I don't, I still don't understand the importance of the painting. Maybe you caught it. So the painting, the importance of the painting is that that is what Andre uses as a bargaining chip for his wife. So they have the rocky relationship. And basically, if I'm not mistaken, what happened was she found, she got a forgery of a really well-known painting yeah, it was, and, a, it was a Goya of some kind. Yeah, and sold the the forgery to her husband for like $9 million or something like that. Yeah. Some ridiculous amount of money. Which I think she genuinely didn't catch it was a forgery. Yeah, so she says that she didn't know that it was actually a forgery, but regardless, it turns out to be a forgery, and so he gets mad that it is a forgery, and so I guess he keeps the painting anyway. Yeah. But I think it was some kind of legal thing that because she technically sold him the the forgery or, like, she didn't do her job well enough in cash that it was a forgery, she, uh, Andre now has, like, leverage over her. That's what I took away from it. And so I still don't understand, then, why they had to break into that place to destroy the painting. Because that they was the proof. They didn't even do anything to destroy the painting, so I don't know where they got that they destroyed it. So, they they broke in to get the painting because that was kind of the deal that the protagonist makes with Cat is that she tells him that that's kind of the uh, I don't know the 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 breaking point like that's the bargaining chip. And so he says something along the lines of like, well, what happens if we can get that away from him? And so my my thought is that because it's the forgery, he keeps it locked up safe as proof that it's a forgery so that he can access it whenever and bring it forward as a forgery for the blackmail. And so they, they say that they're going to break in and take the painting so that Andre no longer has it and therefore doesn't have that blackmail. Do you remember what the name of the type of place was that they stored it at? Not a clue. Yeah, it was a specific type of almost a business, I would say. Yeah, it was like a business that specializes in protecting people's important pieces of work. I guess, like art. Art or really anything worth protecting and they've all got all kinds of security measures yeah is able to like remove oxygen out of rooms and all kinds of stuff which the oxygen thing is to put out like fires and stuff should a fire break out yeah so it's it's a very nice place it's right next to the airport um which is why we were talking about the airplane literally running off the track into a building and i totally believe that was totally practical and yeah. so, you know, it's for people to take their belongings, load them into their private jets, mm-hmm. and leave, you know. And so they've yeah. got to break into this place, I guess, and then get this painting. Yeah. Um, they they managed to do that with the help of some guy you don't learn the name of. Yeah. He's the guy who runs the jet off the yeah the runway and into the building. So I think he's an actual employee there. Or, I thought maybe, he was somebody who, I mean, he was definitely fighting a lot of people on the plane. 
and like. I mean, what he just used some chloroform, really. Yeah, but I mean, what random employee is just going to be having chloroform? Plus, I think I mean, Neil said I mean, that he one, knew him. I mean, the one that is working for a secret agent. But like, regardless, Neil knows him, and so yeah. I'm thinking that they've worked together in the past. But, I mean, that could be. I don't know, but I don't know why they threw the gold off the plane. Not a clue. Couldn't tell you. Other I think than, it's to other be a distraction. distraction. Which I think they might have said, like they're throwing the gold off the plane to make it more terroristy. I don't. Know. I don't know. I think so. But. Yeah, so they ram the plane into the thing to... To cause a distraction. To cause a distraction from them breaking in yeah. to the vault. But I never noticed them actually getting close to the painting. So I don't know well, if they Well, they failed. can't because we find out that Andre has already removed the painting in the first place. So I honestly don't remember why they were even... In that high security place. Because the one reason they were supposed to go there that I knew, that I could remember, was to grab the painting that Andre had already removed. Because I guess he had gotten some kind of tip from the future, because he works with those kinds of people who are doing the whole inversion thing. Yeah. And so he he knows, and he gets tipped off that they're coming for the painting, so he removes it from the, the security place. Yeah. And so... What ha- what happens after the they wreck the plane? They have the fight. They do with the guy. Yeah, two people run out of this chamber. Something I don't, I don't know what to call it. Some kind of yeah. Some kind uh, of one person just runs right past. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Robert Pattinson. Yeah, but. The other person is inverted and yeah. starts fighting with with the, the protagonist. protagonist. Yeah, um, and it's a very cool fight. Scene. It is. It's, it's one of those scenes that she really shows you what I was talking about with the good things about Christopher Nolan. Yeah, because he's the only kind of person that could stage a cool-looking fight scene. Between backwards. one person going backwards in time and one person, and person going, going forwards. forwards in time, and you can tell which one is which one's going backwards and which one's going forward. Yeah, it was very well choreographed. Yeah, I mean, like it was down to the T of one per. I mean, throughout everything, even when it seems like they're both moving at the exact same rate and at the same pace towards the same time and same end goal, you can tell that even then. One's moving forward and one is moving backward. Yeah. In time. Yeah. I mean, even down to like the bullet shots that, uh, you know, come the, out of uh, the, the, the of the glass. Plexiglass or whatever. Yeah, you can, you can see that the protagonist at that point is going forward in time while also seeing that the inverted person is coming, uh, is going backward in time. Yeah. And so they have this fight. Um, the protagonist wins. And he runs to catch up with Neil. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I he, I think it's kind of important that he asks Neil what he did with his guy. Yeah. And Neil's just kind of like, I let him go. Yeah. Know? 
And and so you, you kind of see Neil chasing him. The focus is mostly on the protagonist. But you see Neil chasing his guy, rips off his helmet. First clue that this, you know, kind of this person going forward compared to the person going inverted is important. Because you see him rip off his helmet from, like, the view of the ground. You look at Neil. Yeah. Neil's kind of, like, shocked. You see him holding the helmet. Just kind of throws him back at his helmet and walks and starts running away. Yeah. And so something is shocking about this this guy. Something about this discovery that just happened. Who was just running away. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens after that? After that, they... I honestly don't remember the next step after that because that all... Yeah, I mean, don't, and everything, try, don't try and understand this, guys. Everything this is the main point here, but everything after that just kind of very quickly becomes this blur of somehow he the the protagonist ends up with this uranium, the the uranium two forty one or plutonium yeah. plutonium, plutonium. two forty one. I and think he gets it from. The safe plate. Andre. Does? On on the yacht, remember? I, th- I think it's after yes. the yacht. And, and so he, yeah. So somehow... Uh, Kat invites him... That's right. To, for, to, to, to p- portray them as having this affair. Kind of. I think it's the protagonist worried about Andre thinking it's an affair. No, they want it to look like an affair because that will give Andre a reason to want to kill him, thus bringing him onto the ship in the first place. And so that's what happens. That's why, you know, like when, when they're talking and they're at this dinner, that's why he wants to make sure that, you know, the protagonist knows that he's going to get killed. Yeah. Uh, and that's when he asks, like, that's when Andre asks if he slept with the wife. I want to remind you of what? Do you remember what he said he wanted to do? Yeah, he said he was gonna have. He, he said it's gratifying to watch to cut off someone's balls, slit their throat, shove the balls in there, and watch them gag on their own balls. <laughs> yeah, it was very gruesome was, stuff. I was dying laughing. I know <laughs> the the picture is not nice, but I. I I liked the fact that he said it's gratifying. <laughs> yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. Oof. It, it was pretty brutal. Yeah, which I mean, you know, when you have people having their face hit with a you know cheese grate and yeah. all that good stuff, it was. You almost expected it, something like that. Yeah, and not quite that graphic, but something yeah. like that. And. So, you know, the protagonist says something kind of smart, kind of witty back. And, like, the guy, the, one of the henchmen pulls a gun on him. Yeah. He's like, oh, so you're not taking me out back and cutting off my balls anymore? Yeah. Yeah, so... And so well, that's because he starts sneaking around... He starts sneaking around the yacht uh, when he shouldn't be. And that's where he gets heli- caught. A helicopter comes in. And delivers that... The plutonium. Was it the plutonium? I think so. No, he... Or no, it's the... It was uh, supposed to be the plutonium, I thought. It's the gold. gold. 
Yeah, it's gold. And it, I think it might have been one of the workers at the... Yeah, but it's inverted gold. I'm pretty sure because he, like, puts... Andre, like, hovers his hand over it and the gold, like, comes up into his hand and then he, like, bashes the dude's head in with the gold bar. I, I didn't notice it zoom up into his hand. That's weird, though, that random inverted gold was in the back of this plane and they just shoved it off. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe... Maybe it did zoom up into his hand. This is why it's going to take multiple watchings. Yeah, because there's so much stuff that happens, but also doesn't happen. That you have to be able to watch it several times to kind of figure out which one really happens and which one doesn't. I'm not going to go see it in theaters again. No, but Redbox... When it it comes out on Redbox, I'll rent it and maybe watch it a couple more times, pick up on some stuff. And so, they catch the protagonist after... Andre clubs the dude who brought in the gold to death with the gold. Yeah. And so they bring him in. You know, he's about to kill the protagonist with the gold, too, pretty much, it seems like. Something like that. I think the protagonist tells him what he's doing, that he wants the plutonium-241, that he, you know, works for, you know, the State Department or something. You know, something not true. Andre kind of catches that it's not true. He's like, what does the State Department want with plutonium? Yeah. But and so... So... Andre gives him the gold bar that he just clubbed the dude with as, like, payment... Like, advance yeah. payment or something like that. For something. Yeah. It, I, I know he uses the gold bar to basically pay him, but it's, like, the bloody one. Yeah. Which I think is probably, like, as a reminder, like, don't cross me, because... This is what happens, I guess. But yeah. I could just be reading too much into it. But And so, uh, is it right after this, Andre goes and visits Kat? In the yacht room? Yeah. Yeah. And so, earlier, I want to mention two things. Uh, you know, one of the big driving factors for Andre and this struggle with Kat is... I don't know, he's messed up in the head, he loves Cat, quote-unquote, but if he can't have Cat, no one can. Yeah. And so, he's kind of controlling her. Yeah, and the reason that that's important is you find out... that he's act- That she thinks he's actually having an affair on her. Yeah, because she recalls seeing a woman jump off the yacht... Earlier on, like this yes. is an earlier memory, and she recalls seeing a, a woman jump off the yacht right after she had just left the yacht. And this was, no, I thought she was coming back to the yacht, yeah. So she had just left, but she was on her way back, yeah. And so, because Andre, because her back. Andre calls her back and wants her to come back, and so as she comes back, back, the woman, the woman dives off the yacht, yeah. and you know, the protagonist asks Cat, you know, is you didn't seem like the jealous type. Yeah. And, you know, she she basically says, I wasn't jealous of the girl. I was jealous of the freedom that the girl had to just leave whenever. Yeah. And so the other thing I wanted to bring up was at this point in the conversation where Andre goes down to have the conversation with Kat after killing this dude with the gold bar and giving the gold bar to the protagonist. You know, the protagonist earlier had given Kat a gun. Yeah. 
And it's supposed to be there for, I don't know, her protection or something? Yeah. And he tells her, like, you know, try not to use it, basically. Like, hopefully you don't have to. And, you know, she puts it in, like, a jewelry box. And it is a very tense scene. Starting with him coming down, taking off his cufflinks, and going over to the jewelry box, you think, oh, he's about to put the, open up the jewelry box, see the gun, get angry, you know, whatever. Yeah. But he doesn't. Yeah, he just sets them on top of the jewelry box. Yeah. Uh, he starts taking off his belt. Um, and as he gets progressively angrier, you see him start... He has he puts, the, he puts the cufflinks in, in the, the belt, belt, like in the little holes of the belt. And it looks like he's about to start beating Using, her with it. Yeah, as like brass knuckles or something. Yeah. And they don't come to blows. They're angry at each other. Yeah. I feel like something important happens here, but I can't remember what it is. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that happens. And so yeah. it's hard, especially... Especially once we get into the whole concept of inversion and stuff. Oh, yeah. We it starts even, to get really hard to remember what happens on inversion. and what doesn't. Yeah. Because basically every event that has happened at some point starts to happen backwards. Yeah. So it's – yeah. It, it It's very difficult to keep everything in a chronological order – because the chronological order starts to go backwards. Yeah. And so it, it gets real confusing real quick. Yeah. And so then what happens? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I say we just skip to the part where he give, he ends up giving the plutonium to Andre. The protagonist gives the, the plutonium to Andre. So they, they – him and Neil, the protagonist and Neil – uh, Andre is moving the plutonium across uh, some city, X city, you know, and they decide they're just going to break in and steal it. No strings attached, pretty much. Yeah. Just be done with it. So they recruit some people with some big trucks to kind of box in the convoy of this plutonium. And one of them is a fire truck. They use the fire truck ladder to kind of get over the truck that's transporting the plutonium. Right. Uh, the protagonist breaks in, steals the plutonium, gets out. Uh, gets captured. Because uh, people block him in. Andre blocks him in. They get into a gunfight. Uh, Andre ends up with the plutonium. Well... Because... Because she, he has Cat in the yeah. car. So but isn't that after he shoots her? No. Do they go? Don't they go first? No. So they, he shoots so he, her so later. He gets, so he gets. They get the plutonium. they yeah. get, He gets back into the car with Neil, and they just start flying until they get into this, this shootout with Andre. Yeah. And then what? He puts the car in reverse and starts going backwards. I don't remember what I don't remember how exactly the, the scene goes. Okay, so Cat and Andre are in a car. Neil and the protagonist are in a car. Yeah, they I, are driving I that. at the same at the same pace. There's a car going in, backwards. Invert, there's an that's inverted, inverted car, car, which kind of confirms your theory because the car was not inverted. Yeah, the car was not inverted, 
the person the driving, driving the, the car, car was inverted. inverted. <laughs> but you don't know that yet. Yeah. You find that out later in the movie. Yeah. And so basically, you know, he he shows that he's but going there, to kill... there's something that happens that he... Remember, he leaves the case with the plutonium outside and he goes back for it. Do you remember that? Vaguely. Yeah. It's, but that only happens it's when it's inverted. That doesn't happen until it's inverted. Does All it? I know is that Andre oh ends gosh. up with the case... Because he threatens to kill Cat, yeah, and, and so the protagonist says, "Don't kill Cat." Here's the the plutonium, and so he slides it across the inverted car, yeah. and Andre takes it from the inverted car. And, and so, at this point, is Andre inverted? No, Andre is not inverted at that point. The only person inverted, the only person inverted at that point in is time the person is the person the, driving the car. The car in the middle. Because so, Andre did not have one of those masks yeah. on, which you find out the importance of the mask yeah. as the and movie so, goes and so, on. And so, just to kind of better understand this, the protagonist and Neil are driving down a highway. There is a... No. Remember that inverted car that was right behind them? What was that about? Wasn't that Andre? That was inverted Andre. But the one going with them was the normal Andre. I can't... I don't know. So I think Andre is going backwards. Neil and the protagonist are going forwards. And so the person driving the car in the middle... uh, Is also going backwards. But they're inverted... So, to them, they're driving forwards. Don't try and understand this. And so, uh, Andre's got the gun on Cat. The protagonist has the plutonium. He's pretty much like, give me the plutonium. Or I'm going to shoot. Or she gets a bullet. Yeah. So, he gives up the plutonium. They, I say we just skip to the warehouse. They end up. They end up driving. They end up at a warehouse. Where Andre is. Where Andre is. And so Andre gets to the warehouse first, goes in with... No, but remember, he has to have left the plutonium. Because that's why they go to the warehouse. Because he doesn't know where the plutonium is. And he's telling him, where did you leave it? Because he has the case, but the plutonium's not in there. That's why he's like, it's in the glove box of the car we were driving. Right. And Andre doesn't believe it. And so he goes and puts an inverted bullet in her because the protagonist wouldn't tell him where he left the plutonium. Yeah. Saul's right! Take that, bro! Whatever. (laughs) But, yeah, so he... Andre uses the inverted bullet and it, like... It messes cat. Yeah, it, it messes up. people up. I guess yeah. there's something about an inverted bullet coming an, out, leaving an inverted wound. I guess. I don't know how exactly that works. I mean, I'm not a doctor, inverted, yeah. but to me, it sounds to me it's it feels like it wouldn't be yeah. that much of a difference. And I, and but I'm also not a medical doctor. And I'll so. say this: he kind of shoots her in her. Lower, like, like right around the waist or so, her left abdomen, something like that. Le- kind of like where your yeah, her lower left abdomen, kidneys would be. Yeah, and so he 
shoots her. They're in this warehouse. There's a plexiglass room, kind of like the one at the airport that the one inverted person and the regular right uh, person yes come out of. Yes. And so there's a plexiglass in the middle. There's one half of the warehouse on the one side. Yes. Andre one. Andre and Cat, Cat are on one, one side, side and the protagonist is on another. Like strapped down to a chair with a bunch yeah. of goons. Yeah. And so then Neil and... And a bunch of people. His associates. Yeah. Uh, they come in. They save the protagonist. Yeah. And Cat's still on the other side, yeah, bleeding out. Bleeding out, and so... Andre's gone with a bunch of goons. To go try to get the plutonium. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Basically... Basically, a bunch of exposition happens. Yeah. This is where you really learn the power and scope of inversion, and who Andre is, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, basically, he's going to try to end the world... With this algorithmic bomb that when it goes off, the world ends because it happened in the past, but also in the present. It's the way that it ends the world is very confusing. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of the, the gist. And you start to find that out, and it's it's a big deal because it it's happening backwards in time. And so now they have to go and try to stop it from happening. And there's there's a lot of really weird stuff that just yeah. doesn't add up and doesn't make yeah. sense. And because so, the whole plot doesn't make sense. One of the biggest confusing things for me was they made a point in random dialogue throughout the movie about how these things are getting sent backwards in time. Um, and so all these arms and stuff, they're inverted in the future. Since they're going backwards in time, they end up in the present. Yeah. But the technology doesn't exist in the present. But then we find out that not only does the technology to invert things exist in the present, it's freaking everywhere. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Because they go to this thing, and when they come out, they, they go into this chamber. Yeah. And when they... They the go through the spins. chamber, it spins. When it spins back, they're on the other side of the plexiglass where, where Andre has shot Cat. Cat. And so Cat's laying on there on the floor. Yeah. Pretty much once that t- chamber turns and you're on the other side... You're inverted. You're inverted. You are now going backwards through time. Yeah. And so it's very confusing because from then on, they keep going in the uh, in the past... And there's all kinds of rules, um, you know. So if you're inverted, you can't breathe the air. Uh, you have to have a certain mask uh, that you have to have has, inverted air. <laughs> well, it has no. So the air is inverted, and so in this chamber. But once they go outside, where time is still moving forward, they have to have the the mask that's still giving them inverted air. Well, it's not giving them inverted air. It's giving them the oxygen that they're already used to. Because once they become inverted. Everything flips backwards. So gravity no longer works the exact same. Cold becomes hot. Hot becomes cold. Everything is completely I don't remember, inverted. I don't remember that. I remember her saying things about... Because he asked about driving the car. Right. She was like, things aren't going to be that different except everything's moving backwards. And also, you know, if you 
like things will yes. react differently and winds are going the different way so you have to watch out for like but, winds turn so hot becomes cold cold becomes hot because when he they long story short they end up he the protagonist ends up in some kind of car crash when that happens the car explodes and he he ends up in some kind of suit that they would put on somebody who has hypothermia and well, remember this is we have to talk about this. He goes out, gets a car, goes after Andre. Right. But since he's going backwards in time, he's been inverted, been through the chamber. He comes he across comes, he's driving down the road and he comes across his past his self. Pa- his past self as well as and past Neil. Andre. He was that car and that slot that they the slide middle, the plutonium across. That, that they slid through. the plutonium across. Yes. And so that was kind of a big reveal. Yes. Andre sees this. Yes. The prota- I, I think the does the, he he does not. The protagonist so does not in the The call. inverted protagonist sees his past self. Yeah. But the past protagonist does not see the inverted protagonist. Yeah. yeah. And so he's so the uh the protagonist is going backwards, the protagonist is going forwards. Um simultaneously. And so the car gets Totaled. And yes. I, I don't. I don't know if it's uh, inverted Andre. Then I think it might be. Yes. It's inverted Andre that comes. Car crashes. That the inverted yes. protagonist is driving. The one that was in the middle. Andre comes up and sets uh, fire to sets a gas fire leak. To, the, to a gas leak. The car kind of explodes. The protagonist makes it out okay, and that's when. So he when the protagonist up. makes it out okay. He wakes up on a stretcher with Neil. So Neil wakes him up, and he's covered in some in some kind of suit that you would put somebody who has hypothermia in. Yeah. And he says, "It's that weird would, because it's the be only time why... he's ever gotten hypothermia from a car from a car explosion." Yeah. So that would be what that stuff was then covering the window. Is yes. What you're saying. And then anytime that there's fire, things get cold. Yeah. And anything that it's really cold. It starts to get hot. Yeah. And so he wakes up. They're actually in a sh- like a shipping crate. Like when you would put on like a ship. Yes. Um, but the whole inside of the shipping crate has been inverted pretty much. So they're kind of comfortable. Is That was my understanding. Anytime that they went into like one of those bunkers with the plastic lining. And you have yeah. To zip it on zip. From there it made no sense to me. Because it seemed like they were able to come and go in and out of inversion. So it made no sense to me because basically, you know, everything leading up to when you find out that you can be inverted portrays this machine as being the thing that inverts things. Yeah. Only to be like, well, forget that machine. We have all of these things that can invert and, and, you know, revert things. And so for me, it started making no sense. I didn't notice anything except... The machine, but I it was kind of confusing. It, we'll get to it at the end, but the whole Neil thing, yeah, didn't get that at all. Like when he when he would have had the time to do that, but so they start formulating this plan. Uh, they have learned at this time of the quote unquote algorithm, that thing that they've been looking for this whole time that was, Priya told them was plutonium. Was not plutonium. It was one part of nine of something called the algorithm. 
which is like the the kind of algorithmic bomb that will is going to end the world yeah. if it goes off. And so I believe Andre's description of it was, uh, what it'll turn like half the things going to go backwards in time. It'll revert like half the things in the world, and the other half of the things in the world will be still be going forward in time, and it will shut down in some way. Yeah. It guys, I guess it like cancels it out. Like yeah. everything cancels and so, itself and so out. So pretty much, time just stops. Everything ends. Yeah. Um. And so, Andre is trying to detonate this, and you don't really know why, other than this dude's insane. Yeah. Know? Other than he's a psychopath, and wants but to end the world. Somewhere in there, there is also a nuclear bomb, and I don't know why there's a nuclear bomb. Yeah. Was the nuclear bomb going to set off the algorithm? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember them ever explaining anything about why there's an actual nuclear bomb. Yeah. But basically, you find out that there are two bombs. One is a real nuclear bomb. One is this algorithmic bomb. And you find out that the algorithmic bomb is somehow connected to um, Andre's... Fitbit, or maybe the yeah. normal nuclear bomb is connected to his Fitbit, and that normal I, one ends up setting off the algorithmic one. I don't know how it works. I they think, didn't I explain think, it I thought very it was well. The algorithmic one, but pretty much, if his heart stops, stops the, bomb goes, the off, bomb goes off. The world ends, and so and so they've got to figure out because Andre is planning on killing himself. Yeah, because it's kind of like what Cat said about herself. You know if. Or I, I guess that Andre said, you know, if no, if I can't have you, no one can. Yeah. And so he she says the same the thing about the world. world. Yeah. Then because he, he's substantially older than her, she's you know a young woman in her thirties. Yeah. It's Kenneth Branagh. He's like sixty. Yeah. So he's gonna die before her, and she's like, I would rather end the whole world than allow you to go off and be with another man. Pretty much. Yeah. Basically, if his but world is ending, everybody's not, world is ending. That's not the only thing. Remember. He had that other thing that we'll get to. Do you remember that? No. Just right, say it. Right when he's about to take the pill. What about it? He talks about how in the future the world is destroyed. Hmm. And so he wants to wipe the slate clean here. And everyone gets inverted in the future. Comes back to like a paradise. I... Did not catch that at he's, all. He's like, yeah, it's a terrible in the future because we're ruining it for them right now. And I, I don't know if the, you want to call that the theme of this movie. There's not really a theme to this movie. I could not tell you a single theme. Because it was so much plot. Holy crap. There's too much that happens. Yeah. I, I don't try and understand this. Yeah, because you can't. You, you cannot. Yeah. It, maybe, maybe after a couple of watches. I don't even think you could then. Because <laughs> nothing... There are so many plot holes that exist in this movie that it it forces you to think, and you're probably always going to be wrong at some point. Yeah. And so, they start, they get on this boat. The boat is inverted. Um, I guess because they're inverted. They're going back in time, I guess, uh, to fight this battle 
um, to stop the nuclear bomb, stop the algorithmic bomb, stop uh, Andre from killing himself, or to kill Andre after they've stopped the bomb. Yeah. So they split into two different teams, and this is why I say that it didn't make sense that suddenly it seemed like they were able to come and go from being inverted, is one team is going to be inverted, the other team is not going to be inverted. Yeah. And so suddenly half of them are inverted they were, they were and half are not. inversion chamber, though. Did you see that? When they were in lines, there was a thing that looked like the... Uh, I didn't catch it. Yeah, there was this thing that was like this giant wheel, kind of like what they would spin on uh, The Price is Right. Oh. And it would like spin up and there would be this entrance. People would walk in. It would spin... People would walk in, it would spin, people would walk in. I think that was what people were doing. Yeah, but suddenly they just had them. Like, it's not like they went back to the factory that they found it in. They just had them. And that's what I'm talking about, is like, they made a point to say, this technology comes from the future. You know, they're bringing back weapons from the future, inverted weapons from the future. But they're not. But yeah, the technology is literally everywhere. Yeah. They kept talking about this thing in Oslo. I don't even know what Oslo was. I thought it was a person. O- Oslo is like the capital of Norway. But they never... They kept talking about going to Oslo. They never went to Oslo. There was nothing in Oslo. I I could not tell you. I don't know why they were talking about Oslo. Don't try and understand it. Because you can't. You cannot. But And so they are preparing for this battle... There's one group that's inverted. There's another group that's regular reverted, I guess we can call them. Normal? Yeah. And they are going to lay siege to this place. That the nuclear bomb is... And and the the algorithmic mob. mob. Yeah. So they're going to do it at the same time. Uh, And it's a very cool action scene. Very cool. They are. Uh, I mean, rockets coming backwards. You can, you can see it. They're training in this place where they're getting ready and all these people are getting inverted before the battle. They're training inverted people and uh, reverted and, people to fight each other. What you do to fight with each other. Yeah. And it, it's very cool. You can see people struggling to fight backwards so that they can hit people going forwards. Yeah. It's and it's it's very well done. The choreography a, yeah. and all of the special effects of this inversion and yeah. I guess just normal time is all very cool. Yeah. We got to talk about the scene where the inverted and reverted people shoot down that tall building at the yeah. same time because one shoots a missile yeah. at the exact same time that one calls back its missile. Yeah. And so the the building goes back up as the missile from the Inverted people go back into the gun. Yeah. And the missile from the reverted people goes up and destroys the building again. Yeah. And it's just on the building as it's going back up and gets destroyed again. Yeah. and It It was all very cool. Incredible stuff. Yeah. And I mean, you're watching scenes where some people are moving forward and some people are moving backwards, but they're all going in the same direction. It It was very well choreographed. The fight scenes were incredible. Yeah. And, you know, some of the gunfights and all that stuff was all very interesting to watch as some people are being... I mean, I remember Neil seeing this one 
woman who was by some wall that was already destroyed and they had and he was telling her to get back because basically they shoot like an inverted rocket and that rocket rebuilds the wall and that wall kills somebody yeah and it was it was all very cool yeah. it, it was it was a very interesting thing to watch yeah and so they need to get into this bunker where both bombs are uh the protagonist and that one guy so, the, the Scottish guy. Yeah. I just call him Scottish guy number one. Yeah. They go in to get this, they, these they, bombs. Yeah, they go into the bunker to try to stop the bombs, basically. Yeah. And uh, I suppose we should just you know say there's a Humvee driving up as they're going in. That stop. Yeah, it starts honking at them. And you end up finding out that it's Neil yeah. who's driving it because he has already seen... The person lay a booby trap that yeah. ends up blowing up, and it blocks them into the bunker. And so, we should also mention, Neil this whole time was supposed to be inverted. The protagonist was supposed to be reverted. Neil decided at the last minute to revert himself, for some reason. And he went in with the inverted squad anyway. I don't know. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very very strange. I don't know how that's possible. But uh, they go in. They set off this booby trap. The thing collapses so people can't get in. Or uh, out. Or out. And so they're in there to try and stop both the nuclear bomb and the algorithmic bomb. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. And basically while that's happening, Cat has been cat is on cat is on the yacht cat is inverted and going backwards in time and inverted cat is on the yacht sort of inverted cat doesn't have one of the masks so at some point she becomes reverted and is actually living in the world and the reason she's able to do that is because the normal cat from the past it's has already the, gone. And so they can't come in contact with each other. Yeah. And so Cat has been inverted, but at the same time has also become kind of reverted. I'm not sure about that. I, think I don't know. Inverted. She doesn't have a mask. Yeah. So either they're breaking their own rules and I, they just yeah. said whatever whatever we wanna we wanna do, we can do. Yeah. And they just decided screw the mask because basically her whole mission was to convince Andre that she was the normal cat and that she never actually left or that she had rather dived off the the boat right after it left and had already swam back. No. Remember, she decided that she was going to come back. Oh, that's what she said. She's like, I thought you went on, you know, yes. to land with the kid. And she's like, no, I decided to stay back. So we could have some alone time, and she, you know, he went with the nanny or whatever. Right, but she was wet. Yeah, because she had swam. Because she had swam the, that one boat onto the main. From like, I guess the getaway boat. If yeah. things went south. Yeah, and so it is kind of a bit of a tense scene with her and Andre talking, um, and he's you know holding the cyanide pill that we saw in the beginning that the protagonist ate. Yeah. Um, but apparently it's not really a cyanide pill. 
It's just something that puts you in a coma. But I mean, I guess his heart might stop beating. I don't know. Maybe. And that's regardless, all, that's he all thinks he really needs. Yeah, he thinks it's gonna kill him. Yeah. And thus ending the cat needs the world. to keep him alive long enough for them to disarm the bomb. Yeah, and then she can kill him because she has a gun on her. Yeah. She ends up killing, killing him, him before the bomb. Yeah. And nothing happens. Yeah, for some reason, nothing happens. And she throws his body off the boat. Yes. And... And then dives, dives off, off herself. And that's when the reverted cat from the past, who's coming back on, bon- on board the boat and sees the woman diving off... Yeah. That was... The woman that she saw dive off of the boat was herself from the future. Yeah. Diving off of the boat. But that is kind of strange because the cat in the past comes back and Andre is alive. Yeah. But in... Does she go back and change the past? And that is kind of a question that this movie brings up through some expository dialogue. Which I think... Is people in... The past, they talk a lot about the grandfather paradox. Yeah. People in the future think they can destroy the past and they will be okay. Yeah. But that's not how it works because the question is, well, if you go back and kill your grandfather, your grandfather could never have you or have your dad who could never have you. And so, therefore, you would never have existed to go and do the act in the first place. But we find out that the grandfather paradox doesn't actually matter. Because the only way for the present future to happen is uh, for Andre to be on that boat when when they get back. Yeah. But Andre's not on that boat, but the future is still going forward. Yeah. And so the grandfather paradox then is, they make a big deal about it because no one really knows. But it's kind of proving to be not true. Yeah. Because if Andre dies right there, you know, they stop, he stops hunting for the algorithm, it dies. Yeah. Anyway, the last scene, Scottish guy number one, the protagonist, and Neil are, uh, they have the algorithm bomb, it it doesn't look like an algorithm. It's a bunch of metal pieces stuck together. Yeah. They, you know, split it into three. And uh, pretty much the deal they make with each other is... They're going to... If they ever see each other again, they will kill each other. Because they're the only ones who will know where, where the algorithm is. Yeah, And so to keep the, you know, future intact, they, you know... They're going to take their sections of the bomb, go and hide them. And then the plan is kind of to kill themselves. Yeah. Uh, when they get old and never never tell yeah. anyone where the bomb, bomb is at. Um, Neil tells the protagonist that uh, the protagonist will recruit Neil in the future. So, in the future, the protagonist recruits Neil. They have a friendship in the future... I guess Neil goes back. I guess. I couldn't tell you. And is now in this time. And Neil recruits a protagonist. And they have friendship there. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. And so it is a bit confusing. Doesn't make much sense. Uh, 
Priya is about is going to kill Cat. I guess I don't know to tie up loose ends or something. Yeah, I don't know. That's what she said. She said you got to tie up loose ends, whatever that means. Well, I think I thought she told that to um, the protagonist. She the did. Protagonist gets into the uh, not, kills her bodyguard. Yeah, he kills the bodyguard, but I, I don't remember what she told the bodyguard other than couldn't tell you. Yeah. So he gets in, kills the bodyguard who's going to kill Cat. Kills Priya, and then he just kind of let Cat lets Cat go, even though it's not mentioned. But there is some kind of you know romantic tension between yeah. the two. Definitely his desire to protect her. Yeah, and, and maybe it stems more from him trying to make sure she's free, rather than I think so. You know, especially as someone who's now a member of this secret group. Going forward and backwards in time. Yeah. You know, he he can't spend time with her. It's right. Like he can't have a relationship with her. Yeah, but he definitely cares about her, wants her to be okay, and cares about her well-being. And so he kills the bodyguard and Priya and kind of ensures that Kat is going to survive. Yeah. That's pretty much how it ends. <laughs> Is him kind of saying, I'm the protagonist, killing Priya, roll credits. Yeah. So, I mentioned this movie is the best and the worst of... Christopher uh, Nolan. Christopher Nolan. Best because... Like, like we mentioned, you know, technically, movie is great. Yeah, from you know direction to choreography to, to editing the action to uh, the directing visual effects everything. Acting is good. You yeah, know, John David Washington was good. I would still would see him, I could still see him as Black Panther if he you know ever gets that chance. Maybe you know he reminds me a bit of you know some Chadwick Boseman roles. A bit sort of, of. A, a bit of a snarky, you kind know, of. kind of. Hood guy. I mean, kind of. With, you know, no no problem with that. Uh, but his storytelling was more for this thought-provoking, challenging, mentally exhausting... Very. Rather than plot and character. And you can meld the two. He has done so before. Inception is what... Might be my all-time favorite movie. It's an incredible movie. Because it takes the good things about Christopher Nolan and combines them with, you know, this thought-provoking, challenging movie. That is, I mean, you can watch it a couple times, maybe, and everything will make sense. Yeah. I don't think I could watch this movie a couple times and have everything make sense. No. I think it wouldn't matter how many times I watch this, I would walk away questioning certain aspects of the movie. Yeah. Like the whole Neil being recruited by yeah. the the protagonist. I don't think I will ever understand that because it just seems like there's no real line connecting the dots. Yeah. Another thing I think it was... You know, bad Christopher Nolan in this movie 
was sound. You know, because of Hans Zimmer, you know, he's famous for having this pounding, pulsating, bassy soundtrack. Yeah. That's less of, like, music and more of sound design. Right. To build, to build the tension. And Hans Zimmer did not do the soundtrack of this movie. I I was spent some time researching it. It was uh, uh, Ludwig Göransson, who he's done some other big stuff. Here, let me let me look it up actually. But he's yeah. done some other really good stuff, and this was a very good uh, score. If you weren't if you didn't look it up, you wouldn't be able to tell that he. Yeah, he did Black Panther. Great score. Yeah. And so you wouldn't be able to tell that it wasn't Hans Zimmer uh, if it wasn't for, you know, looking it up. So apparently Louis, Ludwig Gorenson has done a lot of stuff with uh, Ryan Coogler, who's the director of both The Creeds and Black Panther. And I guess he did Fruitville Station as well. He also did Venom. Hmm. So, you know, he's done some big movies. Yeah, with and, pretty fantastic soundtracks. Yeah. But, in this movie, Christopher Nolan runs into his old nemesis of, the soundtrack is too loud. For the dialogue. The, the people's voices are too muffled. Yeah. Priya, you know, she's Indian. Yeah. I, not being racist, she was unintelligible half the time. Yeah. With well, that opening scene when the protagonist is wearing the mask, I could not understand a word he was saying. There was a lot of dialogue that really just kind of fell flat as a result of um, the soundtrack kind of muffling their voices, some of them speaking pretty quiet as well. Yeah. Um, and, you know, overall, the dialogue was just kind of barely noticeable at best when it really should have been the thing that sticks out. Yeah. Because that's where all the exposition happens about all the nonsense that's going on. And that's pretty much all the dialogue is in this movie is exposition. Yeah. Which we talked about, you know, there's no character in this movie. The character might have, like, ways that they speak. They might have, you know, like, influxes in their voice. But for the most part, they just go out and use those influxes and, you know, uh, accents, and they just talk. Yeah. Talk the exposition. You know, at least in, uh, like, Inception, when uh, Ellen Page, I can't remember her name, Ariadne. Enters into Cobb's dream and she's traveling down that elevator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she sees him watching his kids. Right. He talks about, you know, his kids. He talks about Maul. Mm hmm. But that's exposition, but I'm finding out more about the character. Right. Here, it's literally. You're pretty much you're only finding, finding out, out more about, about the, the plot. bomb. You're yeah. finding more about the bomb. You're finding more about the algorithm. You're finding out more about inversion. Right. And literally, the protagonist doesn't even have a name. Yeah. And he, he's in every scene in the movie. Yep. 
it's it was a very confusing movie and i think that if we could have heard the voices better and heard the dialogue we probably wouldn't be as lost as we are yeah i think things would have made a lot more sense um but i mean the things just you know like i had mentioned the dots just don't have a whole lot of lines connecting them and that's what bothers me the most yeah is that you have that entire scene with the orchestra or the opera, or whatever it is, at the very beginning. Correct. And it's like, you know, here's the protagonist, and here's this person that they're, uh, you know, that he's trying to rescue. Okay, well, pretty sure that the the guy that they rescued died. Um, you know, I when they he, get caught, I think he was a plant. He was not a real. I don't know what he was. Yeah, I'm... they don't. None of those dots get connected. The. You know, like I was telling you, when we see the inverted bullet or whatever, like while he's at the opera, I was thinking that the person who tried to shoot him was his inverted self, but they never went back that far. So you don't know who was attacking the opera. You don't know why. You don't know why the opera was there. It just was. Yeah. And so that didn't make sense. The whole concept of the protagonist recruiting Neil, that didn't make sense. There were no dots being connected. And it drove me insane because I want the dots to be connected. I don't want to have to... I'm the kind of guy, you know, I don't like rabbit trails and I like dots to be connected. So I don't want 50 different dots that I have to connect myself. Yeah. And I I have to do that with this movie. And I think... Because this movie was produced by Warner Brothers. Um, Like, they financed it, obviously. Right. That makes sense. As he's... Made them a crap ton of money. Yeah. For and these so, kinds of movies. And so they gave him a crap ton of money. Okay, let me Google tenant budget. $225 million. Yeah. Was the budget for this movie. And you watch this movie, see how much is practical in it, and you're like, yeah, this movie cost $225 million. But I have a feeling that after this movie, especially with, you know, coronavirus and, you know, people not flocking out to see the movie, their views are mixed. Yeah. Kind of like us, you know, we enjoyed the movie. Yeah, you, I remember when we left the the theater, we, we had, didn't say anything. Well, so we talked a little bit, and I remember you said that you enjoyed the movie less than you thought you would. And, you and enjoyed I enjoyed it more, more than, than I thought I would. Yeah. And, and Hannah said she enjoyed the movie, which means that she enjoyed it more than she thought that she would. Yeah, because for <laughs> me, like, I liked the espionage portion. I liked, you know, the spy factor. I liked the yeah. action. And like I said, I think on our last podcast, if the goal of the movie is to entertain, and that's what I want from the movies that I watch, I was, and my mind was blown, and I was blown away yeah and i was entertained there was not a single moment in the movie where i felt like i was just bored to tears everything kept me engaged yeah and so the mission of entertaining was accomplished yeah but you're the much more technical person who likes the different aspects i think nolan christopher nolan though was not trying to entertain as much as he was trying to blow your mind and that's the problem with me is he shot so hard, like far and so hard, and I think he kind of missed the mark. 
Not saying that's a bad movie. People miss the mark all the time. Yeah. I think I think there was too much trying to be done that it just couldn't be done effectively enough. Yeah. Like you, all of the different dots that I have to connect myself, I would have liked to have seen connected in the movie. It just couldn't be done. I mean, you'd be talking a six-hour-long movie to connect yeah. all the different dots, to connect the opera to whatever on God's Green Earth was going on in the rest of the movie. Yeah. To connect those, you're going to have to have a lot of time connecting the two, getting from the protagonist to you know Neil and their friendship and how they get recruited or whatever. That's going to take a lot of time. There's a lot of dots that are going to need a lot of time to be connected. Yeah. So, repeated viewings uh, is really the only remedy I can see for the problems we have with this movie. And even then, who knows if they'll go away. I'm thinking not. Yeah. I don't know if I could sit through this movie again. Because it would be very difficult because I would mainly be trying to piece everything together again. Only to be probably disappointed. Yeah. Again. Yeah. And so, watch it with some captions, I guess, and we'll we'll see. Maybe maybe when it comes on Redbox, we rewatch it. Rewatch and it and kind of review, re-review. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of kind of talk about what we what we missed from this one. Yeah, what we noticed the the second time around. Oh, oh boy. There's a lot to this movie. Yeah. I'll, I'll I'll say this: If you are a Christopher Nolan fan, and what we say about the plot doesn't bother you, and what we say about characters doesn't bother you, go see the movie. Yeah, you'll but like if, the movie. But if you're like a regular movie fan who you know goes to see a couple movies a year and you like the MCU and all that stuff, there's gonna be better movies to spend yeah. your time and money on. Yeah, Black Widow's coming in November. Probably yeah. go see that. And if you want to see this one, wait for Redbox. Yeah, if wait you're not for a Netflix. if you're not a diehard movie fan, and you know, like Jake said, if you if you mainly just listen, or, or you know, you watch a couple movies in theater a year, this probably isn't the one. Um, because from an entertainment standpoint, yes, I was entertained, but if I wasn't actively watching movies. And things like that, and trying to see as many as possible, and all that good stuff. If I wasn't as much of a movie um, enjoyer as yeah. I am, I definitely would have been disappointed, you know, with watching this movie as opposed to watching another. You know, like if I was torn between watching this movie on on this weekend and another movie this weekend, and I saw this one. And then saw the other, and I realized that I liked the other more. Like, say the other one came out on Redbox, and I saw it from Redbox, and I really liked that movie. I'd probably be disappointed that I went to see Tinted in theaters instead of that movie. Yeah. Uh, I think that's enough for today. I would say so. Whenever we watch it again, if we decide to watch it again and re-review it, we can talk more about it then and correct ourselves. But uh, next week, we've decided... Have we have we decided Pan's Labyrinth? Yeah, I thought we had. I just wanted to make sure. Yeah, we'll be doing Pan's Labyrinth, uh, one of Guillermo del Toro's finest. I do enjoy Guillermo del Toro, and I don't really watch a whole lot of his stuff. So after after Pan's Labyrinth, we can watch Pacific Rim. It's going to be an interesting experience for me. I think I think you're probably going to enjoy it. I don't know if it's going to be my cup of tea. 
but we're going to do it anyway. It has like a 98% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes or something crazy like that. And like people, See, the, like, the reviewers say things like, Guillermo del Toro has done what very few filmmakers today dare to do, which is create cinema. Like when you hear someone say something like, this movie is a work of cinema, that's when you know it's a bit... <laughs> See, I don't even know what that means. And yeah. The issue that I've always had with movie reviewers and things like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that is, for me, their reviews are not going to be the same as mine because a lot of those people they, are professionals who are... They don't think are, about movies like you. Yeah, they're they're looking for the things like that you look for, you know, for the directing and the choreography and the soundtrack. They're looking for all that kind of stuff. I'm looking for, am I entertained? Yeah. And so oftentimes for me, I tend to lean more towards the like the audience score rather than the tomato score. Yeah. I think the tomato score the typically audience... gives me like a good hint as to whether or not I'll enjoy it, but it's definitely never like it, it, it's never my go-to. And if a movie has a bad review on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, from a professional standpoint, I'm still probably going to watch the movie if I find it the slightest bit interesting. Yeah. So, just looking on Wikipedia, it has a nine, score of 95 uh, on Pan's, for Pan's Labyrinth. On uh, Rotten Tomatoes. It has 98 on Metacritic. It's best reviewed film on Metacritic of the t- 2000s decade. Hmm. At Cannes, it received a 22-minute standing ovation. I don't know what that is at Cannes Film Festival don't know it's what it is one of, it's like the biggest film festival in the world no oh, well I guess that's a pretty big deal yeah <laughs> so if you are a movie critic and you live in the world you go to Cannes like movies get shown there months if not a year in advance jeez and so one of these days we'll have to sneak in and do a podcast on, on a movie. At Cannes? Yeah. It's a bit prestigious. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we'll have to sneak in. Hello, I am uh, Richard Downton. <laughs> I'm sure you've heard of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if we get big, Mom, tell all your friends. Yeah. All of them. We need all of them, because otherwise we're never getting into Cannes. But this has been... Uh... Another episode of the Movie Melting Pot podcast. Next week, I guess. <laughs> Tune we're in doing, for uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, we're doing Pan's Labyrinth. I guess we can talk about after Pan's Labyrinth what we want to do next. I feel like I've been choosing a couple. You can choose the next one. Oh, you might not like that too much. Are you going to choose it, man? <laughs> no. Which would be a great movie. You wouldn't like it, but... Yeah, my dad would like it. We can... Get my dad to watch it, then listen. But We'll figure it out. But, uh, yeah. I've been asked not to slurp, so sorry to all my slurpers out there. Which is probably, like, two of you. Tops. But, for the rest I'm, of you, I'm you're I'm sorry welcome. to all my slurpers out there. But for the rest I, of I'm you, you're sl- welcome. I'm not gonna slurp this week. Maybe next week. I'll, I'll catch you by surprise. We'll think about it. But uh, thank you all for listening.